How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Have you ever thought to yourself, hey, these guys should talk about this book on Drunken Book Club? Or even, hey, I want to hear them gush about this on Rubles Rupees. Well, guess what? We'll listen to you if you pitch in a dollar on our Patreon. That's right, for one dollar, we'll listen to you. And along with that dollar, you know what else you get? You get access to all the bonus episodes that I put out every single week, including the backlogs, and early access to all our podcasts and videos, and everything else that I put up on there. So for a dollar, I think it's pretty much worth it, but you be the judge. Check it out. It's at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Drunken Book Club. I am your drunkenly hungry for vegetables and fruit, but only their juice, Rupalipluka. And I am your dog that watches everything and somehow types it all. Yeah. Sam. Sam. And on this episode of Drunken Book Club, we read the 1978 classic Benicula. That's right, we read the 1978 version. Not the uh, 1995 reprint, which I'm kind of curious of what they changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as always, we should say what we paired with this episode. Um, So I started, you know, what I paired it with the book and started drinking with was we have a V8 Fruit Fusion currently in the uh, fridge. It's not exactly the best one. It's a strawberry lemonade, but it still has fruit and vegetable juice in there. Add a little bit of vodka, you got yourself the banicula. No. <laughs> I feel like it'd be better if we did like a Bloody Mary. But <sighs> I don't like Bloody Marys. I don't like Bloody Marys either. I don't like tomato juice. I don't like spicy stuff. Yeah, I don't like tomato juice, so that's 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 why I don't want a Bloody Mary. So, that's why we didn't do a Bloody Mary. I mean, I feel like any veggie or fruit juice would work. Yeah. But it works really well for that, and also like, it's kind of a savory drink. Yeah. Anything with carrot juice would have been a good one for this one, but... We didn't want to go out and get carrots, and I didn't want to have to grab my juicer for my mom's. Or spend too much money on carrot juice. Yeah. I mean, I like carrot juice. I think it's tasty. It's just more going out. We'd have to go, like, a specialty, probably. Yeah. Probably Sprouts or something. Yeah. (laughs) Sprouts doesn't sell Mexican food, Sam. Yeah, I know. Can you fucking drop that? (laughs) What'd you... Oh, and uh, what else did I drink? I drank that. I, I drank a couple... I was going to say shots, but I actually just drank straight out of the bottle. Uh, dark chocolate and banana whiskey. And I am and I also nursed a mud shark, I think that was what it was. Yep. I don't know what... Is, was it a Belgian white? I think so. It was in an orange can, so I'm going to assume it's Belgian white. Cause that's, what's up? Belgian wheat. Belgian wheat. I don't know why I said white. This, this white because it's from Belgium. 
And I am currently nursing a hot toddy made with, uh, what, what tea, tea did you put in? I did the green uh, mandarin orange. Ah, with a little bit of honey whiskey in there for the toddy. Sam, what'd you have? I had a, I don't remember the name of the Mountain Dew. I want to say it's Spark with some rum. You know, if you just say an extreme word, you're correct. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I feel like Spark is close enough. Spark's close enough. And that's a raspberry lemonade. Yeah. With rum. And now I have a cherry limeade EG with some more rum. Rum. Where's the rum? Sam's Sam's Jack Sparrow. Where's the rum? Alright, so Sam, you have personal history with Benicula. I don't have personal history with Benicula. Why don't you start off by saying what's your personal history with Benicula is? So I read not only the book, but I read a good chunk of the series. Yeah. Because they did a whole like branch off into a series yeah, in the 90s like, to like, 2000s. As I, say, I think it was like post Goosebumps. They're like, spooky things are fun. Let's re-release Benicula and see if we can make a franchise. That's my guess. Don't quote me on that. No, they literally, well, it was like a spinoff series, because, like, basically they had, like, one, two, and three yeah. of Bonicula, and then it was, like, some little puppies got involved, and then it was, like, the puppies go on adventures. Oh, my God, it was the text version of the Air Buddies. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's funny. Oh, no. Bonicula span off a couple different things, in my opinion, but, but was it the first one to spin off the Buddies? I think it was just the one dog. I think it was just the one puppy, though. Okay. If I remember, because it's like all the other puppies are like, we're normal puppies. And this one's like, adventure! Yeah. Me, I'm an adventure. I'm a puppy. <laughs> what kind of puppy was it? I want to say Dachshund, but I have no basis on mm. that. Well, then I'm going to look it up, because why not? All right. I'll give you my first impressions. I Like I said, I never read Benicula. I remember seeing it in the Scholastic book buying guide. Not the... Book fair, but like the, what were those called? Those, the like, you know, they would give you like these book guides to like be like send the money in and we'll yeah. get your books. Like a basically, kind of like the equivalent of like a catalog. It was a catalog. Yeah, yeah, Scholastic book catalog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they would have us fill it out, be like, what do we want? Your parents would give give you money, or you would maybe have your own allowance and be able to pay for it. And I remember my parents would let me buy like one book. Every time from that, and that's yeah. about it. Um, and if memory serves me right, the reprint covers in the late 90s and the early thousands or aughts had a very grim looking rabbit, and the sequels had a very B movie looking fonts and the titles, and that had me interested in the series, but I never picked it up though. I never, like, I never found it at the library at uh, Bonilla's, even though it was probably there, or maybe Sam was checking them out so much. I couldn't. I don't know. I only had... I think I bought mine. Okay. So, because it was one of the few that my parents I could actually... Also, I think we've both watched a little bit of the Boomerang show. Uh, I think we both think it's it's cute, but it's not really our thing. Yeah. It's kind of a little too fast-paced for us. Like, I feel like a lot of modern cartoons can be like... Like, they have, like... It's like Magic Mighty Magic Swords. It's a bit too manic for our taste. But it's cute. It's nice. Put it in the background, maybe. Yeah. So, what's up, Sam? I'm trying to find it. I um, found the original series. Okay. Want to so, read them off? So, there's Bonicula. Yeah. And then there's the... So, it's weird, because it says on the 79, it says Bonicula, a rabbit tale of mystery. Yeah, that's what it says on the book here, too. But it also says that on the 95 color, but... I think it's just a reprint of it that they modernized, because, like, 
What's his face is reading Treasure Island, and another kid is like reading, listening to records. Yeah, they probably change it to I don't know CDs. So and I don't know 1984 is that popular? I know I read the second one because that is Holiday Inn. <laughs> that was actually 82. Oh wow! Okay. And then there's Celery Stalks at Midnight. <laughs> That's cute. Um, Nighty Nightmare. Okay. Return to Holiday Inn. <laughs> Gosh. And then Vanicula. Strikes again, and then Benicula meets Edgar Allan Crow. I I saw that that the title, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want to read that one." Edgar Allan Crow. It's all adorable. <laughs> so, uh, but you you can't find any can't find any puppy spinoffs. I swear there was like. I don't think there was any puppy spinoffs. Hold on. Sam is part of in the alternate dimension where there were Benicula spinoffs. And she came into our dimension. That's her Berenstain Bears. I also had the Berenstain Bear thing, though. <laughs> so she came from the same world that had Berenstain Bears and Vanicula Puppy Spinoff. Hold on, let me put <laughs> Vanicula Spinoff, maybe. Okay, there you go. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, uh... Okay, apparently there is a one. What's it called, Sam? So, Tales from the House of Vanicula. Uh-huh. So, ter- so, began the spinoff series called Tales from the House of Vanicula, which are written by Howie, the Dachshund Puppy. Oh, so yeah, Sam was right. She was telling me beforehand, or did you say right now it was a puppy? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like so drunk I can't remember anything currently. I know I read, I think I saw the mummy one. There's a mummy one? It, do- Howie Monroe and the Doghouse of Doom. And then Howie Scr- Monroe? And then Scr- Is that a literal literature like reference? Probably. Screaming Mummies of the Pharaoh's Tomb 2. <laughs> fuck is this shit? Alright. I think you'd get a kick out of them, because they were like... I, I'm guessing they are supposed to be spin-off of, like, pulp, kind of. Yeah. Or just fucking old, like, stuff like that. Alright, so let's let's talk about the... Let's talk about the cute... The cute book particular here. Oh, excuse me. So the cover, as I said, this is not a 90s reprint, so... Uh, I'm a little sad we have the, have the first printing-style one. Technically... The first print didn't have Chester on the cover. The first print was Chesterless, but it was the same cover. I mean, honestly, honestly, if you look at the our cover, you're like, that was added in post. Yeah, they just like went. the cat was added in post. But yeah, it's nothing special. It's just a furry, droopy dog laying while a vampire-like rabbit is hopping on the dog's front paws, and a cat is awkwardly looking at Benicula there. That's that. Yeah, that's about it, really. Sam, before we start anything. Do you want to read the editor's note? Sure. Here you go. You can you can either read the letter part or you can read the whole thing. It's up to you, Sam. I don't care. The book you are about to read was brought to my attention in a most unusual way. Mm-hmm. One Friday afternoon, just before closing time, I heard a scratching sound at the front door of my office. When I opened the door, there before me stood a sad-eyed, droopy-eared dog carrying a large, plain envelope in his mouth. He dropped it at my feet. Gave me a soulful glance, and with great, quiet dignity, sauntered away. Inside the envelope was the manuscript of the book you now hold in your hands. Together with this letter. Gentlemen, the enclosed story... Gentlemen? The enclosed story is true. It happened in this very town, to me and the family to whom I reside. I have changed the names of the family in order to protect them, but in all other respects, everything you will read here is factual. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Harold. I come to writing purely by chance. My full-time occupation is dog. 
I live with Mr. and Mrs. X, here called the Monroes, and their two sons, Toby, aged 8, and Pete, aged 10. Also sharing their home is a cat named Chester, whom I am pleased to call my friend. We were a typical American family, and still are. Though the, though the events related in my story have, of course, had the, their effect on our lives. I hope you will find this tale of sufficient interest to yourself and to your readers to warrant its publication. Sincerely, Harold X. It would be cute if they actually got their dog to, like, deliver the letter to the editor's office. <laughs> like, that would have been a cute and really creative way to get your book sold. Even though, you know, spoiler alert for my review, I really enjoyed this book. Yeah. So, chapter one, The Arrival. We're introduced to our narrator, Harold the Dog, who is laying on his favorite rug, watching the door, waiting for the Monroe family to return from the movies. He comments about Chester the Cat, who is laying on the armchair near him. It's raining cats and dogs outside, when Harold hears, Mon hears the Monroes approaching the door. They come in soaking wet, and Dad Monroe is holding a little bundle with glistening eyes. The kids argue about who will take the rabbit from Dad, while Mom yells at them to remove their soaked rain gear. The kids excitedly tell Harold what happened. It goes a little something like this, and this will be the last time Sam will have to read from the book, because the rest of my descriptions are very good. It seems that they had arrived at the theater late, and rather than trip over the feet of the audience already seated, they decide to sit in the last row, which was empty. They tiptoed in and sat down very quietly so they wouldn't disturb anyone. Suddenly, Toby, who's the little one, sprang up from his chair and squealed that he sat on something. Mr. Monroe told him to stop making a fuss and to move to another seat. But in an unusual display of independence, Toby said he wanted to see just what he had sat on. Aw, he's growing up. An usher came over to the road to shush them, and Mr. Monroe borrowed his flashlight. What they had found on Toby's seat was a little blanketed bundle that was now sitting on Mr. Monroe's lap. They now unwrapped the blanket, and there in the center was a tiny black and white rabbit sitting in a shoebox filled with dirt. A piece of paper had been tied to its neck with a ribbon. There were words on the paper, but the Monroes were unable to decipher them because they were in totally unfamiliar language. You know, I just realized something with the dirt thing. Vampires and... Yeah, homeland. vampires need their homeland's dirt yeah. to be able to sleep. Yeah. So, so I think that's pretty cute. Sorry, yeah. I didn't realize that until now. I, I didn't either. And yeah. honestly, I'm kind of surprised Toby did not kill, accidentally kill the rabbit with his ass. <laughs> I mean, it's manipulated. He's invincible. Uh, Harold says that he may be a mutt, but he has bloodlines all over the world, and his Russian bloodhound side can explain that the words written are from an obscure dialect from the Carpathian Mountains, and it translates to take care of my baby. The family decide to keep the rabbit and start getting a house prepped for it along with milk and lettuce. Harold asks Chester what he thinks of the rabbit, and Chester, with the wit of a sitcom child, says... I don't think rabbits like milk. To be fair, he wanted that milk. The family try to decide where the rabbit will sleep. The two boys arguing over which room, but Dad decides that the living room next to the window is best. The boys again argue over what to name the rabbit, and Mom gives some terrible names choices, such as Bun Bun and Fluffy. Sam, what's a good name for a rabbit? Um, I was going to say black and white, like my first thought is Oreo. Okay. Terrible name. Um. Naming an animal after food, if it's a brand, is bad. Okay. Cho <laughs> chocolate cookie of undisclosed 
Chocolate sandwich cookie. At least call it the other. What what what's, what did Oreos rip off? Tuxedos. Yeah. Yeah. Call it tuxedo. Um, call it Jackie Chan in tuxedo. <laughs> I mean, if it already kind of looked like a vampire, like it how they described Benicula later. Yeah. Maybe Alucard. They're not, they're not that creative. Ooh, are you gonna call it Dimitri, like your son? Ah. <laughs> she tries to bite me. Feed the bite. Feed You're the bite. not even feeding the bite. You're smushing your elbow into my face. Yeah, isn't that feeding the bite? It's when they already have the bite. Well, like, yeah, you know, I didn't even have the bite in my mouth yet, and you were just exactly it works. You're just basically doing this. Yeah, exactly. I can't bite down on it then. Okay. Uh, they yell and whine and offer different name choices, and Toby says, "Why not Dracula? Since that's the movie they that, that they watched." Peter thinks that's dumb, and Mom offers the name Benicula, and it's agreed upon. They all go to sleep. I mean, that is a decent name. Like, that's a decent I, name. I will not... Uh, also, I need to say what I think would be a good name for a rabbit. Hmm. Peter. <laughs> Here comes Peter Cottontail, coming down the rabbit trail. Hibbity hobbity, hibbity hobbity. Watch him fuck his mom again. I'm not laughing to that. I'm laughing to something I just thought of. Hippity hoppity. No, you're laughing at me because I'm funny. Thank no, you. No, you know what I thought of? What? So, I was like, oh, you can name it after an Animal Crossing character, but then you have perverts at your window trying to jerk off to it. <laughs> yeah, Benicula already has that. Can we look at Benicula Rule 63, Rule 34, Sam? Do you want me to pull that up? Go ahead and pull it up while I read some more. Also, if this book takes place in 1978 or 79, since that's when it was released... Uh, they would have watched the 1979 Dracula directed by John Badham. Or maybe they watched the old Universal one or one of the Hammer ones. They didn't explain. They just said they saw a Dracula movie. But uh, that's the only movie that came out in 79 for Dracula. I mean, unless they wrote this book a long time ago, which, I mean, oh. hey, sometimes that happens. The fact that Rule 34 actually has a Benicula tag. A, I mean, if there's porn of it, it exists. Okay, so there's the boomerang. Or if it exists, there, there's porn of it. There's boomerang stuff. All right. As you can see. Yeah, let me see that phone. Can I also see? Oh, look at the pussy and the ass on that one. All right, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need to see anymore. Some of it's creepy. Chapter two, music in the night. Harold explains Chester's dynamic in the family and how he's a bookworm. Chester was a gift to Mr. Monroe, along with two volumes of J.K. Chesterton, explaining his name. Mr. Monroe would test out his literature lectures on Chester since he's a professor. If the cat uh, fell, fell asleep, it was a success in his book. No, but if he didn't fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. I, I wrote didn't fall asleep, but I just didn't read it right. Uh, Chester also took a liking of reading while the family sleeps. Mostly mysteries and horror tales. As a result, Chester has a vivid and wild imagination. That's night. As Chester read Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, the cat couldn't help but feel the, feel the stillness in the air and want to take a peek at the rabbit in its cage. As the moonlight shone on the rabbit's visage, the cat noticed the black spot on its head connect to the black patch of fur on its back. And the fur now resembles a cloak. Also, there's a really nice picture of a cat's anus. Uh, if we look closely at that, Sam, did you notice the cat anus? I did not. What page is it? Uh, it's in chapter two, I'll tell you that much. I'll wait for her to see it. You're not in chapter two yet. There's a cat anus! <laughs> there is! <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't notice. She has a butthole. <laughs> they drew the butt. Well, and like the thing is, is like the way the art is. Yeah. 
as it's very, like, it gets the texture of the fur and the rain very well. They didn't have to make a perfect, like, little, like, rose-shape oh, for the asshole. butthole. That's a perfectly drawn asshole of a cat. But they did. But they did. That's, that's all I'm saying. The silence soon ended, and from nowhere, the eerie sound of a violin playing came into the air. Chisler thought it was a caravan of gypsies for some reason. Like, what the fuck, dude, is that? Is that just something that happens outside of a Richard Bachman book, or what? The cat... Also, Chester, we don't use that word anymore. Yeah, we don't, no. Uh, the chest... <laughs> the Chester... The cat went to the window to see where the music was coming from, and it was from their neighbor playing. But when Chester saw Vanicula again, the rabbit looked as if it had had two pointed teeth where its buck teeth should have been. Da da da. He also was telling this to Harold. I didn't explain that, but whatever. Chapter three. I mean, it kind of makes sense when you say that this is all from Harold's point of view. That is true. Chapter three. Some unusual goings on. The next few days passed eventful, uneventfully. The Benicula would sleep all day and awaken at nights. And Chester's curiosity of the rabbit made that made the cat stay up to watch it at night and sleep during the day as well, leaving poor Harold bored and lonely. When the kids would get home, instead of playing with Harold, they would play with the tired rabbit, who didn't do much. Uh, <laughs> so I just think of them, like, trying to do something and just, like, flopping over. Yeah, and it's just like, moving. do something, rabbit! Or, like, they... Mom, the rabbit's dead. They, like, throw the rabbit like a baseball. Also, oh, God, you're right. <laughs> they are little boys, after all. It did die. <laughs> and uh, one of my notes here that I put between my uh, between my chapters is, I can't help but think of Matt Arnold of Dungeon and Daddy's... Of the Dungeon and Daddy's podcast as the voice for Harold. Yeah, no, I have it, too. Yeah. Uh, on the fourth day, Harold confronts a grumpy, tired Chester about his investigation on Bonicula. Chester hasn't found shit on the rabbit, but says there's something up with the rabbit. Uh, one morning, Chester had news. He claimed Manicula escaped from his cage. Harold questions it as the bunny is too small to break out. Chester relays his story and says that night, he went to the grandfather clock to try and smack the pendulum, as cat do. Chester hits the hit the glass, blocking it, and hurt his paw, but he becomes transfixed with the swinging pendulum and falls asleep. He had dozed off for 45 minutes, and he ran back to the cage and noticed it was empty. Chester then notices the light in the fridge is on, so he positions himself on the couch to make himself look inconspicuous. When from the kitchen door came hopping the little rabbit. Chester says the way he was positioned, he couldn't see how he got back into the cage, though. Mr. Enroe then comes down to make breakfast, but much to his surprise, finds the most peculiar sight, what appears to be a white tomato. He shows the whole family in disbelief. Mrs. Monroe says there's one way to find out if it's a white tomato or not, and cuts into it. It is indeed a white tomato. Mrs. Monroe says it must have gone bad since it's white and also dried out. I've never seen that happen with a bad tomato, by the way. They toss it out. Chester tells Harold he saw fang marks on the tomato and says he needs to take a book he read last year called The Mark of the Vampire. He tells Harold to get a nap in so he can make him, or so they can meet up tonight to talk about the book. Chapter 4. A cat prepares for fucking... No, that's that's wrong, Chris. I mean, there is a cat anus in this, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's fucking. It's not really in the sexual way, it's just in the sense of you see cat's buttholes when they yeah. move around. Harold almost missed his meeting with Chester because he was messing with Toby, who has snacks and engorges on 
Cream-filled chocolate cupcakes. Also, kids, please do not feed your dog chocolate. Fuck, man. Harold is gonna die in the worst fucking way. What's up, Sam? I'm just checking so on what chapter I'm going to interject this. Okay, what what are you going to interject? Specific thing that... Okay, it's chap it is this chapter. Okay. Toby is ready for bed and tells Harold about the book he's reading, Treasure Island, and talks about what's in it, like pirates and parrots. Harold is puzzled by what a parrot is and goes downstairs to ask Chester what it is. Chester is waiting for Harold and their meeting, and he mocks him for being late and eating sweets with the boy. Chester leads Harold to his chair that has the book he has reading opened. They comically get into the chair, because I don't want to fucking explain how long that chapter took. That was like maybe the only part of uh, word, word count in there. <laughs> Chester then discusses his theory. He claims that the dialect from the note is from Transylvania. He then explains that the way Benicula acts, sleeping during the day and escaping from locked rooms, are all things vampires do. There's a cute moment when Harold asks if Mrs. Monroe is a vampire since he saw her bite Mr. Monroe's neck and then lawyer joke happens. He then explains how Benicula bites into the veggies and drains them of their juice and brings out some of, or, uh, and brings out some white veggies that he found hidden behind Benicula's cage. They then notice the rabbit is missing. They hear a click from the kitchen. They're too late! As they enter the kitchen, they find no sign of the rabbit, but they find what he left behind a pale zucchini one thing that i was going to say is i i misread it apparently because i thought i saw like something about seeing bite marks on mrs monroe no but i was like did she have a hickey no it was literally her biting mr monroe yeah that was the joke that you were probably seeing sam yeah good job sam good job that's what happens when you speed read and not read S slow as a snail like mr chris I'll read a word a minute. I just realized the pets Chap have probably accidentally seen the fuck at least once. Yeah, probably. Because that's how pets are. Like, they'll just walk in. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Why is he hurting her? I'll just leave. I'm Harold the dog. I don't care if someone gets hurt. I just see Hanzo like, <laughs> Stop fighting. Chapter 5, Chester goes into his act. The next morning, Harold is awakened by screams from the kitchen. Mrs. Monroe finds a bounty of whitened fruits and veggies on the kitchen table. At first, they think it's the fridge, but Mrs. Monroe says she spread out the food. They think it may be a blight. Mrs. Monroe asks Mr. Monroe if he still knows that one professor who studies agriculture. Peter then claims it's DDT and that the food she's been buying isn't organic. Uh, this is kind of ahead of its time when you think about it, right? Yeah, this is 70s. Yeah, this is 70s. Do, did people talk about that back then? Probably not as much as, like... Like, now. Yeah. Like, I mean, people now always go, that's organic, and stuff like that. But I feel like that was, like, back in the 70s where no one fucking cared because, you know, you shot up fucking hair and you didn't fucking care. No, it's more that chemicals are good, actually, kind of thought. Like, yeah, there's nothing bad about... God, imagine if energy drinks were out in the 70s. Probably be made about like cut with cocaine. Cut with coke, thank you very much. Is what were the words you're looking for? They ignore the child. Dad still has shaving cream on his face, and Mom tells him to clean it off. He says he had his tail, but it's gone, and they soon find that Chester has tied it around his neck, like a cape, and is trying to explain to the humans that there's a vampire among them, but they don't get it because they're humans. They're dumb. He then tries to act like a vampire by biting poor Harold on the neck. And Mrs. Monroe thinks it's a love bite. 
she picks up the cat and gives him some lovin'. And she tells Mr. Monroe to take t talk to the agriculture professor. Chapter 6. Harold helps out. I just thought of something. Huh? Adventure time. Remember Marceline would just drink the red out of everything? Yeah. Do you think they stole it from Benicula? Oh, definitely. They definitely stole that from Benicula. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because I'm like, wait a minute. I was about to say, if that's not stolen from Benicula, I don't know what is. That night, Harold is awoken by click-clacking and strange smells coming from downstairs. He goes down and finds Chester with a weird pendant on. Okay, the people who are behind uh, <laughs> behind Adventure Time are like maybe a little bit older than us. They read. They they definitely read Benicula. Yeah. I was about to say there's there's someone who I'm friends with who's who's definitely older than me. I was about to say he's he's either young Gen X or old millennial. I can't remember which one. It depends. And he said he loved Benicula. It depends on who like who you ask because my sister's kind of in that same area. Yeah. Technically, she's old millennial. Yeah. So. That's not uh, considered Gen X. Yeah. Uh, he goes down and finds Chester with a weird pendant on. It's a garlic necklace. And he's strewn garlic all over the living room surrounding Benicula's cage. De Chester demands that Harold put a garlic necklace on, but Harold doesn't want to smell the garlic and leaves. Harold decides to sleep outside to avoid the smell. The next morning, he's awoken by a scream. It's Chester who's being bathed and scolded by Mrs. Monroe. Also, doesn't garlic not stink until you, like, cut into it? Typically, yeah, because, like, a clove in and of itself, unless you crush it, yeah. doesn't smell that much. Like, it doesn't stink until you, like, cut into or crush it, yeah. Yeah, or cook with it, kind of. Like, yeah. unless you do something. I mean, unless that it. cat was biting really hardcore into that fucking garlic. Which he could have been. Could be. Maybe he was like, it needs to stink to activate, so yeah, 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 maybe. Chester is pissed about this and said the garlic worked since no vegetable turned white. But his plan can't continue because the family took away the garlic. That afternoon, Chester has a plan. They get Benicola out of his cage while he's sleeping. Chester grabs a steak from the fridge and explains his plan is to use it on Benicula. Ugh! Steak jokes again! <laughs> yeah, go listen to fucking what's it called, our first friend's... The uh, fucking fiction made for fans episode there. <laughs> they lay the stake upon the sleeping rabbit and pound it. Nothing happens, and the Monroe parents get home and take the stake away. Chester then runs to the kitchen, gets water, and tries to splash it on the rabbit. It misses and hits poor Harold. They take the cats outside and give the ruined steak to Harold. Harold's happy about that, too. He's like, yes. Oh, he's so happy. I mean... He's a happy boy. He, he just got a steak. Like, that is yeah. that is a great day Harold's for a good boy. He is. He's a very good boy. He's Chester's good boy. a little naughty. Yeah. Chester's a cat. He's naughty. He's got his heart in the right place, though. Yeah. Chapter 7. A new, in, uh, in parentheses, friend in need. Chester was acting inconspicuous the rest of the week and didn't talk to Harold at all. Harold befriended the little rabbit and would talk to the little fella. One day he noticed Benicula was looking sick. He tried to get the owners to see it, but they didn't understand him. That night, Harold was restless, thinking of the poor rabbit. He got up that night to check on him and found both Chester and Benicula in front of the kitchen door. Chester was blocking the rabbit while also wearing garlic. Chester was starving the poor bunny. Harold couldn't get Chester to stop, so he went on with his night. Like the dumb boy he is. Yep. And that's the that's the chapter where there's tea posing. I'm very sure is what you're referring to. So. Yes. I've been putting T-Pose for dominance. Oh, that's the steak. Where he, looks like he's more smothering him then. He is smothering I also him. like this picture of the class. Yeah. 
Because he's basically meow. trying to get back in his face. He just pressed up to the glass like, put, get meow. me in. Meow. Yeah, T-pose. That's not T-posing, Sam. He's too hunched over. Okay, that's fair. Looks so bunny. Bunny can look so sad. Of course he is. He's starving. I know. I feel so bad for the bunny. Chapter eight. Chapter eight. Disaster in the dining room. The next day, Harold wants to help Anikula. He thinks he can leave food for the rabbit, but then realizes that Chester must be taking the food they leave for Manicula every morning. That evening, Harold sees the family is having a salad with dinner. Harold decides that that will be Manicula's meal. He hatches a plan and waits for everyone to get home. Harold hurries and gets Manicula out of his cage. Then he places the rabbit on the table. The rabbit rushes to the salad, but before he can make it, Chester has entered the kitchen and leaps onto the table, causing a ruckus and ruining the salad. Manicula tries to run away, and Chester tries to get the rabbit. But they can't, because there's fucking, fucking, uh, what's it called? Dressing all over the place. Yeah. Um. Uh... Harold isn't sure of what to do, and does this one thing he can do, and barks and gets the family's attention. The family rushes in and catches the cat in the act. They think Chester has been chasing Manicula. One of the boys picks up the rabbit and finds he may be sick. Mom says they'll take the two of them to the vet tomorrow and to get them checked out. Mr. Rose says they should also take Harold since he needs the shots updated. This idea scares Harold. I mean, that's fair. I don't want to go to the vet. I'm a good boy. Like, I feel so bad for Benicula at this point because I'm like, he's just been eating vegetables. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, I mean, he's a vampire. But he's just going after vegetables. It's not like he's going after the family. Chapter 9. All's well that ends well. Dot, dot, dot. Almost. The next day, they go to the vet. Benicula is diagnosed with extreme hunger and is put on a juice diet. Chester is diagnosed as being emotionally overwrought and is to see a cat therapist. Uh, sorry, a cat psychiatrist. Harold looks out and doesn't need his shots and gets a pat on the head and a treat. Benicula enjoys his juice diet so much that Vermily gives him that from now on. And there are no more white veggies. Chester's therapy goes well, and he stops reading fantastical tales and reads self-help books. Harold lives for another month before succumbing to chocolate poisoning. The end. Also, the cat, the cat psychiatrist. Yeah. The name Doctor Vrook Katz. Yeah. Crazy cat. <laughs> That's funny. So something I picked up. Yeah. Of my little bit of German, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's thought cute. Thought you'd enjoy that. You got any notes for this book, Sam? So, not much that I hadn't already said. Yeah. I was going to say, I made a joke about the white tomato being so easy to cut in half. I'm like, that's why, because it's all dry. Yeah. It's not squishy. Just... Yeah. I was going to say, I really like the book. Same! I was kind of worried, because I was like, what if my nostalgia is just clouding it, and then I read it, and I'm like, ugh. I was honestly surprised with how much I enjoyed this book. It's a real page turner, honestly. Yeah. Like, I now get why people loved it in their youth and speak so fondly of it now. The prose is well written, the characters are entertaining, and not too dumb or too smart, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't talk down to kids. It doesn't do yeah. the, like... They're believable in their actions. I honestly want to keep reading this series and see what happens next in this series. Yeah, I kind of want to see, like... Like, maybe I'll put that on, like, the next, uh, like, grab bag of this, of yeah. Dragon Book Club. Yeah, maybe a sequel's on. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed this one. It doesn't suffer from, like, word count issues, except for, like, maybe one spot. But, like, it's really perfect, and, like, it's the perfect length. Though, 
near the end, I do feel like it was a little rushed. Like, the last two chapters were really, like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. But that could just be because it's so fast to read. But, I don't know. Like, was it only a 95... Or, uh, what's it? 95. With, like, a 98 uh, page count. It's a really short book, and it's a really good one, honestly. Uh, I am curious to see how the 95 reprint changes the story, if at all. Like, I really am curious to see. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not like it matters. It's probably the same thing in that sense. If again, they might have changed it to CDs. And... Yeah. And maybe not feeding Harold chocolate. Yeah. Maybe giving him like a grilled cheese. I don't know. Give him diarrhea instead. Give him chips. Yeah, give him chips. Give him some Doritos. 3D Doritos. Well, what was big in 95? I'm trying to think. Gushers? Give him some Gushers. That would pro- that might be bad depending on what the sugar is in there. Well, obviously it would be bad. You don't, don't feed do- like bad food for kids. Ki- don't feed processed food to dogs. I just thought of the fucking Fetch Quest, the grapes. Oh, the grapes. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Don't feed your dog grapes. So, uh, I'm, you know, this might cause some controversy, but I think this might be the best book we've read on Drunken Book Club. Agreed, honestly. Yeah. It's a five out of five. Like I said, it is five white zucchinis out of five for me. I give it five neurotic casts out of five. Yeah. It's a perfect score. Yep. It's a really good freaking book. I don't really have any major critiques. It's like, what's well, like, like, I feel like there's some word count issues in like the middle bit. Yeah. But like, it's not so bad that I'm like, <laughs> word counts and stuff like that. Like, I think Harold's a cute narrator and is, does his best. Chester's funny, yet a little neurotic. But Nikula's there. The kids, the kids in the family are charming. And obviously they're not going to understand the dog or the cat because like, they don't speak animalese. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's one of those, like, they're, it's a dog and a cat, so yeah. they're gonna be like, it's a dog. So here's my big question, and I forgot to look it up, actually, um, beforehand, but did Benicula kind of introduce the trope of the vampire next door? Hmm. You know? Like, the idea that, hey, I think my neighbor might be a vampire lawyer. You know, it's, it's a very popular trope in movies of the 80s and stuff, you know, like, with Lost Boys... And uh, Fright Night, and even House Goosebumps even ripped off that that idea with like monsters and stuff with the girl who cried monster. Bailey School Kids also had a Bailey vampires. School. I mean, the whole fucking idea of Bailey School Kids ripped it off technically. Yeah, because it's the same thing of the I think this is this. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if this was like the originator of the Vampire Next Door, or if that's like a like I'm I'm trying to think of like the earliest example of that storyline. Of like, oh, this person might be something like that. I mean, Dracula kind of is that, but not really. Like, it's not, like, I'm thinking of in the suburb sense. Like, is there a suburb story where there's, like, a, a you know, a Dracula hanging around, you know? And hell, even, what's it called? Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ripped this off with a vampire story and with a werewolf story. Friendly Neighborhood Vampire is a tr- is the trope. Is that on tro- TV tropes? Yes. Gotcha. But it's basically one vampire character... That's basically a good person. That's, you know, it's not... Mm. Not that... Because mm-hmm. the first thing that came up was a uh, girl next door, which is not what we're... No. I mean, he is technically the friendly neighborhood vampire, but he's not doing it to be the good guy. He's just... He's just there. Literally, Benicula is true neutral. He just wants his fruit... He wants his fruit and veggie juice. Yeah, which is fair. Like, that's Well, not... we'll look this up another time. But honestly, that's my question of this week. You know, hey, leave a comment on our Twitter page... Leave a comment on wherever, on SoundCloud. Do you think Benicula was the originator? Or maybe you know something a little bit earlier. We might research this. We probably won't because we're lazy. We have a lot of things to do. Or we forget about it. I'm not going to forget. 
never forget. I, I like 9-11, I'll never forget. What day was that again? <laughs> That's the joke. Hey, thanks for joining us on Speaking of Which Presents Drunken Book Club. Follow us at Speaking of Which Podcast at on Facebook and SOW underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also find us at speakingofwitch.org for all the up-to-date episodes. You can sign up there also to get updated when there's new content, uh, aka new episodes every Friday. Uh, they're usually up at 8 a.m. because that's when I've been putting them up on the scheduler. But if you want them earlier, for example, you can get them on Monday or Tuesday, depending on how early I get it done. Uh, you can join us on patreon.com slash speakingofwitch and get it at least Monday or Tuesday early. You get a bonus episode every week. You get cut for time. You get uh, show schedules. You get bonus content in this way of our show notes, which I'll be sharing this week, obviously. I, I got lazy with that for a while. And if you join our Patreon, you also get a shout-out, a.k.a. Hey, Trey, thanks for being a patron. Make sure to follow him at yurtosaurus on Twitter.com. And if you have any other, you know, if you have a Twitch or a YouTube or something, let us know. We'll shout-out that instead or whatever you want us to shout-out for you. Yeah, it's your dollar. It's a dollar a month, guys. I mean, it's not that much. Yeah. Um, and you can follow me at the underscore Rupal on the underscore Rupal on Twitter and Instagram. But my main is honestly SLW underscore podcast. Sam? You can find me on mainly Twitter and occasionally Instagram at Berserker Rose. And hey, if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure you're rating us. A good review really helps the podcast out. Uh, can we get a, can we get the same amount of reviews and better than a Joe Rogan podcast? I would hope so, because fuck that. <laughs> I mean, probably not just because we don't have the audience reach, but... I know. <laughs> I'd like that. That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be, be cool. That'd be very cool of you. Yep. But hey, thanks for joining us this week. What song should we go off on, Sam? Um... Should we go off on a vampire song? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, I'm just trying to Maybe there's a Benicula song. I'll look up. If there's a Benicula song, I'll put it here. If not... We'll find I'll, a vampire song. I'll find a vampire song. Not Lost Boys, but something. Yeah. Oh my god, it's Todd in the Shadows! Sam just put the blanket <laughs> over her face, so she looks like Todd in the Shadows. Here, talk the... about movies, and why this... Or talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, movies. I didn't know Todd in the Shadows was a movie critic. I'll do Unless crossovers it's... with musicals, damn it. Yeah, and talk about Madonna movies. Yeah, so... <laughs> Anyways, here's a song. Yeah, play the piano for me. Why don't you play the piano for me, Todd in the Shadows? We don't have a keyboard, jackass. <laughs> I offered to buy you one, but you kept on flip-flopping and saying no. I... I I love the idea of it. Yeah. But one, committing to me using it. Yeah. And two, like, space-wise. That is true. I'll give you that. You know, if we cleared up the area behind the uh, sofa, that would be a good spot for a keyboard. Because it's not... A keyboard does not take that much space. Yeah. It's mainly folded out when it, like... Yeah. It's not that much space. Yeah. I'll think about it. You're making excuses. Yeah. And poor ones at that. Yeah. We'll clean up that back and maybe get me a keyboard. Yeah. I can I can maybe get you a keyboard. I'll get you, I'll get you a Yamaha. I mean, some of the Yamahas are really good. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, like, you joke, but... Yamahas are good. Casios are good. I was going to say, I got... I had, like, Yamaha makes good instruments, you just can't get the cheap shit. Yeah. I mean, that goes for every instrument, I mean, though. yeah, Gemeinhardt's in the same valley for flutes. Mm-hmm. And, uh... And that goes for Gibsons and fucking Fenders when it comes to guitars and basses and shit. Like, just don't go for the cheap shit. Same with Bucks for trombones. Yeah. 
And those are always good. So but... sometimes you can get a pretty decent cheap one, but you gotta really look at the reviews and look at people yeah. reviewing them. And trombones struggle with the seven-year thing where apparently, like, there's something that happens with year seven that they just, like, start getting shittier. Mm. Uh, it's because of how many letters are in trombone. Eight. <laughs> they can't last beyond eight. But I have a flute that lasted more than ten years. It's not a trombone. But flute only has five letters. I, okay, it's not named a trombone, though. It doesn't, it doesn't pertain what? to flute, Sam. It pertains to trombones. Why, why does trombone fall under it but no other instrument? Because, uh, I'm Louie Anderson. Yeah. Also, it, also, just proper care and maintenance of your instrument is critical to making it keep and keeping it sounding good. That is true. My bass sounds amazing because I didn't take good care of it. My flute is good right now, but I'm playing a dangerous game because the pads can rip at any point at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. And once the pads rip, you it's basically unplayable. Like a puppy pad, it will become unplayable. <laughs> Don't play on a puppy pad. Wee pee pee. I'm gonna say unless you're maybe doing water sports, because that's better than nothing. But I'm not big I'm into not water sports. I'm not talking about that. No. <laughs>